So by now you might be wondering, what does the word Vedic really mean in Vedic astrology? If you hadn't thought about that before, it means it comes from the Vedas, which are the oldest written texts that humans have that we know of. And they're written somewhere around 2000 BCE. There's a lot of debate on when that actually was. But that's where we get Ayurveda, the science of life and health and the source of all Western medicine. Really all medicine evolved from Ayurveda. And where we get Vedic astrology, which we talk about on this podcast. And we get yoga practices as well, which I talk about on my other podcasts, the Quiet Mind Yoga Podcast and the Yoga Teacher Training Podcast. So if you're curious about learning more about the origins of all this stuff and history of it and deepening a yoga practice, even if you're a beginner or if you've thought about being a teacher, I've created a free online workshop for you. It's a training called Three Mindset Shifts to Build Confidence in Teaching Yoga. So even if you don't want to be a teacher, you just want to deepen your practice, I think you'll get a ton out of it. It's very in-depth and takes everything I've learned in my 15 plus years of working in health and wellness and distills it down to a short online training you can do. So you can check that out at quietmind.yoga confidence. And I call it that because this is the most common thing I hear from people. I want to build confidence in my yoga practice. And really it's about embodying confidence. So I've created this whole training all about that. Quietmind.yoga confidence. And the cool thing is, it translates really well to intuition and perceptiveness that you need to be a good astrologer. So that's why it's relevant. If you're Even if you're not that into yoga, you just want to learn more about being embodied and more in tune to your intuition, having some sort of embodiment practice is great. And yoga is hand in hand with Vedic astrology. So if you want to check it out, quietmind.yoga slash confidence. And I think you'll really get a lot out of it. My name is Jeremy Devins and welcome to the Quiet Mind Astrology Podcast where I talk all about Vedic astrology, how it applies to your life, and this time today we're in season three talking all about the houses of Vedic astrology. We're up to the sixth house or bhava in Vedic astrology. So what does it mean? How does it work for you? I'm going to talk all about it in today's episode and you can get a free guide at quietmind.yoga houses that gives that guides you through step by step as we go through these episodes so the sixth house the real first thing that comes to mind for me is day-to-day routines and this is the this is where you want to look to understand what someone is like in their day-to-day and it also represents your health your well-being enemies disease misfortune and these are the sort of things that just come up day to day in your daily routines so if you look at what's happening in the sixth house, if there's a benefic planet there like Jupiter, this person might be more optimistic and positive about those challenges and obstacles. If you had a malefic planet there like Rahu or Saturn or Mars, this person might be more combative and have more enemies and conflicts because they've got, for example, Mars, the warrior there in the sixth house. Right, so kind of dived right into this, but in general, the sixth house is about health, well-being, It's about fighting off the adversities of life. It represents your immune system, your stomach, which is constantly processing everything you take in and assimilating what is going to work for you, what needs to just pass through, uh, what is something your body needs to fight off, 
right? So you can see all this from understanding the sixth house and what's going on there. It's also, again, misfortune, opposition, enemies, crises. So if you're somebody who has a lot of crises day-to-day, -day, challenges day-to-day, obstacles uh, there's likely some sort of malefic influence here it could be a malefic planet in the sixth house or ruling the sixth house which i'll talk more about rulerships later in future episodes but it's it's a similar idea to know that for example if mars is in the sixth house you're likely to be more combative you know just looking at this one aspect not counting everything else in your chart but just based on that one aspect, this person is likely to be more that warrior energy in their day-to-day -day routines, which would be very helpful if they're, for example, in the police force or the military, which is also indicated by the sixth house because the sixth house is also, is also about service. But again, so if Mars is here, it's likely to have those implications. But if Mars is ruling it, so for example, if Aries is the sign in your sixth house, that means Mars rules Aries. So you look where Mars is, and that's giving you, again, that warrior influence on your sixth house. So even if you don't have any planets here, and this is something that actually came up in a question recently uh, from Erica, a uh, listener of the podcast. She said, uh, what if you don't have any planets in a house? What if you've got your sixth house, there's nothing there? So that's, that's going to mean that you want to look at where the ruler of that house is. So again, you could have Aries here, but no planets in there doesn't mean that you don't have anything going on in your sixth house. We all have day-to-day -day routines. We all have health, diseases, obstacles, challenges. So you look at where Mars is, and Mars is going to essentially, you can almost imagine that Mars is in the sixth house. That's how strong the influence of the house ruler is. So you're likely to still have some of those, if not all of those qualities, uh, those warrior qualities with your sixth house uh, activities also represents uh, debts and any sort of litigation and disputes, legal disputes, things like that. Uh, if you have even, so if you have Jupiter here, it's a benefic planet, you would think that'd be positive for debts. But Jupiter is also about expansion and growth. So you're likely to have a lot of debts, a lot of expansion of debts. Uh, you could have expansion of enemies and obstacles, right? So there's a lot of factors you want to look at how it plays out. You could also be just very benevolent and uh, optimistic and be able to work through any obstacles or challenges. But that's an interesting one that I've seen that if you have Jupiter here, uh, you're likely to have more debts because it's expansion and growth. But you also tend to be maybe more optimistic and positive as, as a, it comes to like diseases, obstacles, crises, setbacks, that sort of thing. This is also represents your diet because that's every day we've got to eat unless you can live off the sun like those yogis in India. Uh, but for the rest of us, we've got to eat. So the diet is one of our daily routines and yet seen from the sixth house as well. The daily lifestyle and routine, just, just whatever is going on day to day. So if you've got uh, some sort of malefic influence here, some challenges here, Maybe you don't like your daily routine so much. But this can also indicate your ability to work towards better economical position over time. So uh, something like Saturn here in the sixth house will give you great rewards over time. So if you haven't passed your Saturn return after age 30 or so, or your second return after age 60, and you're in some sort of challenges, obstacles now, Saturn may just be teaching you some important lessons 
that suck, I understand, it's tough, I know that Saturn can be tough like that, or these sort of uh, malefic influences can be tough, but it's all just karma unraveling. That's why we have these charts, there's some sort of karma we're here to play out, and it's bigger than ourselves, it's bigger than our fears, our insecurities, our egos. There's some sort of big, bigger karmic pattern, at least, you know, this is my understanding of the old text and my understanding interpretation of what Vedic astrology is, right? It's like, how can we look at where a planet is and understand all these things about ourselves or interpret all these things that have been ridiculously accurate? Uh, but I think the way, way it's working is that there's some sort of energetic uh, vibration, because everything's vibration, influencing us, and we're here to just play it out, and it's a potential. It's not necessarily good or bad, uh, and that's where things like meditation, yoga, mindfulness, Buddhist practices, things like that where we recognize that it's all empty of meaning except the meaning we give it. So we can look at a malefic planet there and see possibilities and opportunities. We could look at a benefic planet there and see limitations and challenges, right? So it's all in how we look at it. And really it's a choice, that's the choice we get to make. And the more we practice mindfulness and awareness, the more we recognize that we're making those choices to begin with. And that's that empowers us to choose new choices if we want. So other things you can see in the sixth house here is healers, doctors. Doctors I've seen have a lot going on in the sixth house or a strong influence of the sixth house. So you want that if, if you're, thinking about becoming a doctor, or if you uh, know a doctor, they've likely got some strong sixth house influence here. Or it could be that they're uh, like an energy healer, body worker, uh, acupuncturist. Uh, they've all likely, massage therapists, even yoga teachers, likely have something going on here in the sixth house. And it's all about service. So uh, you can see like social workers uh, likely have a strong sixth house or a lot of influence there. Something like Rahu here is a malefic planet, typically. You know, and this is also, I'll talk more about malefic and benefic in future episodes, but this is a, a it's more, they're functional malefics or benefics, depending on everything else in your chart. But in general, Rahu would be malefic, and it can bring a lot of worry, fear, anxiety, and uh, just obsession, because Rahu is about obsession. It's a head without a body, and it can just eat constantly without, without ever feeling full. So it can become obsessed with day-to-day -day stuff and diseases and obstacles and, you know, is this, I need to get this mold checked out and, you know, this and that. And this, so everything can become a crisis because Sixth House is also about crises. Uh, the body part that's associated with this, again, is the stomach, the intestines, the digestive tract. As you may know, most of your, our immune system is in the gut, right? So if the gut is healthy, the immune system's healthy. If the gut is weak, the immune system's weak. So if you're having stomach issues, you want to look at what's transiting in your sixth house, what's going on in your annual chart for the sixth house. Is there something you can do to remedy this, right? And I'll give you some practices and uh, things you can do to work with a challenging sixth house at the end of this. The natural ruler is Virgo. And that's because it's the sixth house, the sixth sign of the zodiac is Virgo. So a lot of these things, as I mentioned before, there's a sort of alphabet of Vedic astrology where Virgo is almost synonymous with the sixth house. There are differences, but if you understand Virgo, you understand the sixth house and vice versa. So some things that you can do to work with the sixth house and bring more of 
the positive, uh, beneficial, potential energy of this sixth house and less of the negative, malefic, destructive, challenging energies. Ideally, right? So practices you can do are, number one, Dhinacharya. So this is the Ayurvedic practice, which essentially means like daily routine. And this could be that you wake up and you scrape your tongue in the morning, you do a neti, uh, just clearing out the, the sinuses. You might do uh, yoga, walking, meditation, uh, some sort of movement practice. Whatever it is for you, uh, maybe oiling the skin. So Dhinacharya. So if you're not familiar with that, Google it. There's some great resources out there. I'll probably do some more stuff about that in the future. But it's good to uh, have some sort of routine because then you start your... Uh, routine uh, intentionally. Your daily routine is intentional and that's what Dhinacharya is all about. Starting your day with intention and devotion and remembering what's important to you and you have that time for yourself in the morning and then you go out into the day and something that I really like that I do in my meditation is I think of the prayer of Saint Francis which essentially says make me an instrument of peace and there's several different ways of saying that of how can I be of best service to the world? It's something I know uh, Deepak Chopra has mentioned, he says in his morning meditation. How can I be of greatest service to the world? So this is emphasizing uh, intention and service, which are what the sixth house are, represent. And it's a great way to start the day and a great question to just constantly be asking. And instead of maybe, there's maybe some unconscious questions, you know, I've caught myself definitely this sort of, unconsciously you just start to get into this pattern of what can I get out of this or you know how can I get through this or uh, you know what do I need to do what do I have to do and getting more into this mindset of like I get to be alive I get to experience another day of life and how can I be of best service with this because I've been given a gift to be alive and to experience life another day and what can I do to give back and how can I be of service to others a sadhana practice, which is similar, right? So this is basically you have some sort of devotion, dedicated practice that you do every day. And it could be you wake up and meditate for 10 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, you know, whatever feels most inspiring and in alignment for you. This is a little different than dhinacharya, right? And it's interesting that uh, Sanskrit has so many words for similar things here. It's, it tells you how important it is to have some sort of morning routine and practice. Uh, so Dhinacharya is more about the like cleaning, washing, uh, you know, cleaning the sinuses, oiling the skin sort of things, scraping the tongue, uh, splashing the face with water, drinking warm lemon water. The sadhana is more like maybe you do a meditation or a yoga practice or sun salutations, you know, whatever it is that's in alignment for you, you do that practice in the morning. And again, it starts your day with intention and really, uh, a, it's a real vulnerable thing to give your time to something when our time is our most scarce resource. And, you know, it, it's easy to get caught up in that, like I need to do more, I need to focus on this and that. Uh, but instead we give our time to something that really doesn't have a very tangible, practical, like you're not going to get paid for doing a sadhana, you're not going to like uh, save the world just because you did a sadhana, but you are going to feel more in alignment and more connected to something bigger than yourself, which you could call God or Source or whatever that is for you. And essentially just puts the mind in its right position of uh, 
not being in control because <laughs> the mind likes to just at least my mind likes to start the day like all right i need to do this i need to do that and uh you know i'm in control but uh you know it just takes a couple of setbacks to remember that we're not as much in control as we think and there's a lot of bigger forces going on but the best we can do is start the day and uh in a sort of service and a mindset of uh, how can i be of service to this bigger thing that's happening through me Next thing you could do in other practices is the Ganesha mantra, any sort of Ganesha mantra, because Ganesha is the remover of obstacles. So if there's ever a perfect uh, example of how to work with the sixth house, it's Ganesh. You can read his stories and look up the mythology of Ganesh or uh, chant the, uh, the any sort of Ganesha mantra. Uh, Krishna Das has some great ones. You can just look up Ganesh, Krishna Das. You'll find some great mantras there. Ganesh statues. If you don't have an altar at home, or if you, uh, you know, if you have some sort of sacred space at home, you can put a Ganesh statue there to remind you uh, to, again, feel that connection to something greater than yourself, that you're in service to it and it's moving through you, and uh, you're allowing it to remove obstacles and not getting in your own way. Last thing is the Buddhi Mudra, the thumb to the pinky finger, because it's related to Mercury and Virgo and the sixth house. So meditating with a thumb to the pinky finger, chanting Ganesh mantras in your morning sadhana as part of your dhinacharya would be just the ultimate stack of sixth house uh, preparations. But even then, it's all just potential and who knows what could happen. There's still going to be challenges and obstacles. We can't just avoid that. It's part of life, right? But we can do our best to uh, harness these potentials and work with them. So that's my uh, take on it. And I hope this is helpful for you. And if you want to understand more about your sixth house, what's going on in your birth chart, your transits, you can check out quietmind.yoga/astrology to schedule a reading with me. And I'll be back for the next episode on the seventh house. So if you understand Libra, you might understand a good amount about the seventh house. And how does it relate to relationships, contracts? An interesting one is the marketplace. Talk all about that on the next episode of the Quiet Mind Astrology Podcast. Thanks for listening.